Good morning. I'm Brian Legg. I'm one of the pastors on our lead pastor team here at TBA. So glad that you are here. TBA Church, trusting, believing, and acting. Trusting completely in God for every aspect of our lives. Believing in the name of Jesus and the power that comes with that. And putting our faith to action. Living as the hands and feet of Jesus in the world around us, in our community, in our schools, in our workplace, in every environment that we go into. You know, we talk about that concept often. It's a part of who we are. It's our identity. It's part of the vision that God's laid before us. How are we doing at that? How are you doing at that? How are you doing at trusting God in every area of your life? How are you doing at putting your faith into action as living as his hands and feet in the world around you? Or maybe I could ask it this way. How are you doing at putting God first in your life and really allowing him to be your priority? You know, sometimes that's a little more difficult to do, isn't it? We talk about it all the time, but sometimes it's hard to actually put into practice and to to follow through with it. We started this series a couple weeks ago, A Godly Pattern for Life, looking at these areas of rest and work and play and pray and talking about how all those things affect us and what our patterns should look like in our lives when we have a healthy balance of these things. And two weeks ago, as we talked about this concept of rest, there were all these things that, that came out about it, but it was this picture of being recharged, being refreshed physically, emotionally, spiritually, having a newness to us. When we talk about the concept of work, the paradigm shifts a little bit. And I think when you look at statistics and you look at conversations even that I was having with people this past week, you realize how quickly we get off of focus or out of balance in work. We look at work as this kind of a selfish perspective of it's all about me and it's about how much money I can make or it's about who I'm interacting with or the people that are around me. And a lot of times we get to a place where we're not even content with our work because we don't see it with the purpose that God's given us. And then this week, we hit the area of play. How many of you have heard a message on play sometime in your life? The the people that were in first service. (laughs) Me too. I've been in church as long as I can remember. I've heard thousands of messages. I don't remember ever hearing anybody preach about play. How do we play well? What does play look like? What is recreation supposed to be in our lives? It's this picture of refreshment and enjoyment and just fun and delight, but we don't talk about it ever, do we? seems to be a lot of these things that we just don't talk about a lot. We do them, a lot of times not well, but we don't ever talk about it. We don't ever look at it or think about it. Think about play in in its purest form. Think about a baby. What does a baby do when they're born? They play with everything. They grab it. They've got to touch it and, and move it around. And they, they laugh at it and they coo and they giggle and they, they want to play peekaboo with you and they do all these things. Play is an instinctive part of us when we're created. Now think about adults who play with babies. What do adults do? They revert right back to that baby stage. and They make silly faces and they grin really big and they make the same kinds of noises and they giggle and they play with the baby and they want to get them to, to react in that way and to laugh And there's this pure delight and joy within that picture. But is that how we normally behave as adults? We kind of lose that somewhere along the way, don't we? We see it in babies. We see it in our kids. I mean, you go back and hang out in our kids' ministry and you'll watch it happen. You'll watch these kids just with reckless abandon play, have fun, pure delight on their face, joy. They don't care about anything else that's going on in the world. They're not worried about any kind of world crisis that's happening. They're not worried about what the weather's like outside. They're not worried about anything. They're just playing, having a great time. You want to see a picture of pure delight? 
This is Brian Stiverson's little boy, Jason. I call him Mini-Me. I think he looks just like Stivey. But look at that. There's not a care on that boy's face at all. Just pure joy, pure delight. This was last week when they were doing pictures for Mother's Day. His mom got a snapshot of him while he was out there running around under the overhang. And look at that. That is a picture of play as God created it. Innocence, purity, just fun, joy. How many of us look that way very often? Look around the room at the people you're sitting beside. None of them look like that, I promise you. I'm looking at them now. We lose that somewhere along the way, don't we? But as kids, we have it. It just comes naturally to us. And, you know, when you search through Scripture, there's different stories where you see glimpses of it, but it's a struggle for adults even in those stories. One of the stories that stands out to me that I love is from 2 Samuel chapter 6, and it's the story of King David bringing the Ark of the Lord back into Jerusalem. And the Ark's been out of Jerusalem for a long time, and, and so they're bringing the, the Ark back to the nation of Israel. And it's an exciting time. It's this picture of God's presence coming back to the nation of Israel. And so they're coming in basically like in a parade formation, mar- marching into Jerusalem, bringing the Ark in. And I listen to that, and I hear what's happening. I go, okay, well, this is one of those solemn, holy moments, right? This is one of those moments where King David is dressed in all of his royal garb, and he's leading the Ark into Jerusalem. But that's not how the story goes. Not at all. In fact, this is the scripture where people often refer to it to say that David danced naked before the Lord. And in reality, when you go back, he didn't quite dance naked, but he stripped all of his royal garments. And he was down to to this garment called a linen ephod. And it was basically what the priests would use when they would go in to do ministry to the Lord. And so basically he's down to his undergarments, to, to the clothing like that a slave would wear. And he's gotten rid of all of his royalty. He's humbled himself to a position that he's just a regular guy. But he's leading the ark of the Lord into Jerusalem. And he's dancing and just playing and having a wonderful time. He's celebrating. There's joy. That's how he's leading the charge. In fact, his wife criticizes him for the way he's dancing. And he says, I would be even more undignified than this because I'm dancing for my Lord. It's a picture of joy and delight. But we miss that a lot of times as adults. We think about this concept of play, and what do we do as adults? We try to structure it and plan it and manipulate it and control it. And we make it into something when in reality it's this instinctive thing that just happens within us. And it seems like the more we try to study it, the more we try to understand it, the more we try to do something with it, the less playful it becomes and the less purpose it has in our lives that's that's quality. This idea of play, recreation, maybe that's a better way to describe it. Or take it back to the verb, the root word, recreate. To make new, to give fresh start, to give fresh perspective. It's a renewal of us. That's what play is for. It's designed to energize us and give us passion, connect us to joy, to refresh our spirit. But does our play do that? Does it do that in our lives? See, I think it's interesting all the parallels that I see between the concept of rest that we don't do well as a society and the concept of play that I would suggest we don't do real well as a society. And we're going to explore some of that today. How do we play well? What does that look like? How do we find balance in that? How did God intend it? See, here's the biggest problem. We can talk all day long about these specific subjects. We can talk about rest. We can talk about work. We can talk about play. And there's all kinds of specific details with each of those, but 
In reality, there's a bigger problem. And the bigger problem is that our whole paradigm of how we look at these things is warped. The way we go through life, the way we look at what is healthy in life, we often miss the boat completely. We miss the point. We have great intentions, but our direction often doesn't line up. That's a phrase you've heard us use several times, and we stole it fair and square from Andy Stanley in his book, Principle of the Path, but our intentions and our direction often do not line up in the way we live our lives. You find that to be true? You've got a great plan, you know where you're going, you know where you want to be, you set that goal in front of you, but yet somehow you don't ever seem to get there. It's like the goal's over here, but I'm going over this direction. And then we wonder, why did we not meet up? Why didn't we get there? Because we weren't going in the right direction. And yet we continue to live our lives that way over and over and over. So I think part of the specific problem is that we view play in the wrong way. Play was designed to be something to truly recreate us, to bring renewal within us. And instead we use it as a method of escape. We use it as a way to hide, to get away from the stresses and the struggles of life. In fact, I would suggest that a lot of us use play a lot like alcohol or drugs. It's a way to get away from life. It's a way to escape from our problems for just a little while. But there's a harsh reality that comes with that, that when we come back to life, our circumstances are still there. Our problems are still there. They haven't gone anywhere. All we've done is basically self-medicate for a little while by going and playing and having fun and getting away and trying to ignore all the stuff in our life for a little bit. It's not a healthy picture. It's a coping mechanism. So how do we change that? What do we do? How do we get our intentions and our direction to start to line up? How do we start to move in the right direction? See, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to start to identify why is it that our paradigm's wrong and what is it that's wrong in the way we view it. Because I think for most of us, we probably don't ever even stop to look at that. We don't stop to think about what is it that's skewed in our perspective. So I want to take some time this morning just to explore that, to identify some of our skewed perspective that we have in the area of play. And I'm probably going to step on a few toes, so get ready. How many of you have ever said or heard this statement? I worked to exhaustion to be able to go on vacation, and then I played so hard that I needed to come back to work to rest. How many of you have ever said that? Some of you are being honest. Some of you. I've said that. This is the society that we live in. Think about what we just said. I worked myself to a point of exhaustion, killing myself at work just so I could go on vacation, so I could get all my tasks done and be ready to go on vacation. Then I went on vacation. We had so much fun on vacation. We played so hard, I needed to come back to work to rest. And we call that healthy? What's wrong with that? Think about it. We're killing ourselves to work and play just so we can do both. Somehow it seems like we missed the point. Or now let's get really personal. We won't be there Sunday. We've had a tough week and we need to get away for a day. Ouch. Think about that for a minute. And I'm not being legalistic about church attendance. I'm really not, I promise. Because it's okay if you're away a day, if you need to go do something with your family. Those things happen, I'm good with that. But when I look across our church family, we've got a bunch of people in our church family who are lucky to make it here twice a month. This is our church family, our spiritual body, the people who are designed to encourage us, to help us be refreshed, to push us in a positive direction, to hold us accountable, 
to do life with us and walk with us. It's our time to come together for corporate worship, to spend time focusing on God and allowing Him to speak to our hearts and to have that time of refreshment. And we say, well, I won't be there Sunday because I need to go to the amusement park or I need to go to the beach or I need to go do whatever because we've had a tough week. We just need to get away. Seriously? That's escape. It's trying to ignore the circumstances. It's trying to not deal with what's going on in our life. It's not healthy balance. It's not a picture of healthy balance. But see, I'd say that's where we have this warped paradigm. Our pattern for life doesn't line up very well with how God has designed our pattern for life. And the things that we say that we're doing to refresh ourselves, the things we say we're doing to bring newness of life, are in reality just stressing us out and making life tougher and causing more problems as we walk along. Our paradigm's warped. Say, I think about where we are as a church family. And God's given us a huge vision for what he wants to see TBA become. And as he begins to reveal more of that and we share more of that, I'm becoming more and more and more aware that part of our struggle is we've got to get to a point where we're healthy enough to accomplish the vision God's asking us to accomplish. Can he do it? Sure. He's God. He can make anything happen. But if we want to be a part of what God's doing and we want to fulfill that vision, if we want to be obedient in those areas, we've got to get to a point that we're healthy enough to be able to do that. And I look at all these topics that we've been walking through these last couple weeks and I see how out of balance we are in all of these areas. We don't rest well. We don't work real well or with good perspective. We definitely don't play with good balance or perspective. It's a struggle that we have in our lives. Play. From the very beginning, instinctive within us as babies, Something God put into place at creation. Think about the story of creation, how he created the beautiful trees and plants and animals and all the things that he put in nature and put around Adam for his enjoyment so that he could experience it, so that he could play instinctively. And then he saw that he was alone, and so he gave him Eve, brought a companion to help teach him and show him community and allow him to experience that. And it's this picture of refreshment. Do we experience play like that? Do we enjoy the things God's given us? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. He says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Think about those words. Here comes this trust issue again. We've talked about this each week so far. This concept of trust and trusting God, relying on Him, depending on Him to provide for us. When we talk about rest, we talk about the struggle that we have with rest is that we don't trust that God will allow us to get the important things done in the time we have so that we can actually let go of everything else and rest. When we talk about work, do we really trust God to provide through our work? Do we trust Him to put us in the right situation with the right people even when we don't like it and when it's uncomfortable so that we can be His hands and feet? And when it comes to our play... Do we really trust that he will give us all we need for our enjoyment? You see, it doesn't just say in this scripture that he'll meet our needs. We see that all throughout the Bible, that God says he'll meet our needs, but this says he richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. He's the source of all joy. But what do we do? We try to provide for our own enjoyment. 
We try to set the stage and create the experience and do all the things we got to do to make play enjoyable for us instead of trusting God as we walk through that. And in essence, what we've done is we've created a culture where play has become completely passive and individualistic. It's no longer this picture of community. It's no longer something that just refreshes us. It's all about me. It's all about the selfish concept that we have. It's personal entertainment rather than relational recharge. Think about the things that we do to play. What are some of the things that we do to play? How are they involved? You look up the word play throughout Scripture, and you know what it most often refers to? most often refers to music. The playing of musical instruments or the singing of songs. And think about history. Up until 50, 60, 70 years ago as TV and other things began to become part of our society, how did music play into society? Friends would get together. Neighbors would get together. Uh, neighborhoods, different communities would come together and they would gather around the piano, they would gather around the guitar, they would play music, they would sing songs, they would have time together to celebrate together, to build relationship. Now what do we do with music? We hit play on the MP3 player, don't we? And we listen to a professional artist who's recorded a song, and most of the time we listen in the privacy of our own home or in the privacy of our car or in our own headset. And it's something that's individual to us that we do. It's no longer done in community. Sporting events. It's not too long ago the sporting events were much less commercialized. Sporting events were things where people came together to play. They were playing football or playing soccer or whatever, and it was the kids out of the neighborhood or even the adults getting together to play and enjoy and to do games together. And the people that weren't playing were there and they were watching and they were part of it and there was interaction. Now what do we do with sports? We're one of millions of people who are watching it happen on TV. We're all watching the big game by ourselves in our living room. That's our playtime. That's our refreshment. What about the other things that we do for entertainment? We go to the movies. That's fun. We live in that little fantasy world for a little bit. We get caught up in our TV series, and we're all wrapped up in it, and all the characters and the things that are happening, and we're excited about it, and we invest in that. We spend hours and hours, and some of you days, on Facebook and Instagram and all the other social media to find out what everybody's doing. What are they involved in? And somehow we think we know people because we watch what they do on Facebook, like they're truthfully, truthfully telling you what they do on Facebook. Even books. We curl up with a good fictional book and we're lost in this world of fantasy. And see, there's nothing specifically wrong in any of those things, but they so easily get out of balance. And they so easily expose us to things that we don't want to be exposed to. They take us to places that we don't necessarily want to go. They become individualized and all about me and all about my entertainment. And we miss the point of play and refreshment. I ran across this quote this past week. Television is an invention that permits you to be entertained in your living room by people you would never allow into your home. Think about that. TV is an invention that permits you to be entertained in your living room by people you would never allow into your home. If somebody came into your house and said half of the stuff that you hear on the TV, you would politely show them the door. If somebody came into your home and began to show graphic images of violence or sexual behavior to you or your kids that we see on TV every day, you wouldn't just show them to the door, you'd kick them out. Forcefully, wouldn't you? And yet... 
we allow our TV to stay on all the time. And I'm preaching to the choir because I'm just like you. I do the same things. And we've become so desensitized to that stuff in our culture that we don't even pay attention anymore. The things that we see on TV or in movies or in other places, we don't really let us sink in. Or do we? See, the other night I was watching TV with my girls. We were watching America's Funniest Home Videos. Great, wholesome family show, right? Just We're laughing, we're having a good time, we're enjoying. You know, other people are falling and getting hurt, and we're having lots of fun at their pain, and, you know, the, the normal thing. And then a commercial comes on. America's Funniest Home Videos we're watching, and the commercial that comes on is for Viagra. And it's a woman in a seductive dress talking about men's problems with sexuality. And I went, I don't want my 12 and 10-year-old girls watching this. Why is this commercial playing during America's Funniest Home Videos, family entertainment? And you think those things are not having a negative impact on us? Now don't mishear me. My point this morning is not that we can't have TVs or not that we can't have Facebook or movies or do any of those things or that those are things that are not part of play or entertainment. They can be. The struggle for all of us is that we get out of balance so easily in those things and we become desensitized to stuff to where we allow it to speak into our life more than it ever should. That's where it becomes a problem. Last summer, my family went on vacation and we went to Holly River State Park in West Virginia. And it's a place that I grew up camping. It's a place that I enjoy just because I've got memories there. But even more so, when you live in Florida, you don't want to camp during the summer because it's 180 degrees. And so you go up there and it's like you're in the mountains, but we're down in a valley and there's tree cover everywhere and there's shade. And so it's like 20 degrees cooler than anywhere else in the country where we're camping. And it's just beautiful. And here's the best part of it. Where you are in the mountains, you get no cell phone service. You get no internet connection. Nothing. You're disconnected from the whole world. And so we made a rule going into our vacation for our, with our kids. There's going to be no technology. We're unplugged the whole week. No tablets, no phones, no nothing. Just us. We had the best week I've had in a long, long time. Because we had nothing to distract us. Our kids got along with each other, which rarely happens. We got along with our kids, which doesn't happen that often. We did things together. We rode bikes. We went on hikes. We saw nature. We played in the creek and threw crawdads at each other, and everybody screamed, and it was a blast. We had fun, and there was no distraction. How often do we get to do that? How often do we turn off the world enough that we can just play, that we can just have fun, unplanned, unstructured, just enjoying the moment, the opportunities that God gives us. See, I don't think it happens as often as we would like. A lot of times I don't think we have a real appreciation for God's provision in our lives and how much joy that can bring us. We keep trying to create entertainment and create an environment for play. And see, in reality, what we've done is we've created a culture that has two extremes. One extreme is those who are similar to where I fall. Workaholics who can never seem to let go of work long enough to play. I know some of you can relate to that. And it's not just work at your vocation, it's work everywhere. It's keeping up with your task list. It's doing things at home. It's making sure everything's checked off and done. But you can't rest and you can't play and you can't have any downtime until all that stuff's done because 
I just can't relax until that list is completed. Been there, done that? Hmm. We miss the opportunities God gives us because we're so wrapped up in getting stuff done and trying to accomplish things. For many of us who fall in that category, it's because we find our value in what we do instead of who we are. Instead of trusting who God's wired us to be, we're determined that we've got to make something of ourselves. And we don't trust Him in that area. The second extreme, on the other end of the spectrum, is people who are controlled completely by their play. They work hard to play hard. They've got all the best toys. They've got all the best experiences when they go on vacation. They've got all the best hobbies and they're just throwing money at it and doing whatever they've got to do, they're going to play and have all kinds of fun. These are the people who are involved in all the adult sports, and they're involved in this activity and that activity, and they're taking their kids from one thing to the other, and they run the taxi service all week long, and they're exhausted every week from doing all the things they're doing. Play hard. We're having fun. And we're so stressed out we can't stand it. Hmm. When did that become fun? We've become the society who stays stressed, who struggles to rest, who struggles to sleep at night, who struggles to slow down and enjoy life. We have health issues because of the stress we carry, because of the work and the play that we do. And somehow we think that's okay. And when people criticize us for it, we defend with all our might to rationalize and explain why we do the things we do and why it's okay, when deep down we know better. Because see, that's the big problem. The big problem with all of this is we know better. We see the things in our lives that are out of balance. We know the things that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. We just don't do anything about it. I stand up here and talk to you this morning, and you know my biggest struggle? My biggest struggle is that I'm going to tell you all about this. You're going to hear the words I say, you're going to know that I'm right about most of what I'm saying, and you're still not going to do anything about it. You're going to walk out the door this morning, you're going to go, well, those are nice words. We'll keep going, going about our life the way we always have. Let's go to the next thing. And I know you do because I do the same thing. We've got great intentions, but we don't always follow up with action. How do we change that? This is where it gets hard. Because the answer is easy. In fact, I'd say the answer every week that we talk to you is easy. It's just hard to do. It's a simple answer, simple concept, but hard to put in practice. We have to put God and His purposes first in our lives. And we say He's first, but is He really? Our intentions are to put God first, but do we really? Trusting, believing, acting. Do we really trust God in every area of life? Do we really believe in His name and the power that, of deliverance that comes with that? Do we put our faith to action? Can we rest in who God says we are? Let me give you some questions you can ask this morning that maybe will help you to identify some steps you can take. I think the first question we need to ask is this. Does my schedule allow adequate time for play? Does my schedule allow adequate time for play? In other words, do I even have time to play? Am I working so much or so involved in all these other things that I never can take the opportunities that God gives me to just cut loose and have fun? 
to be like Jason in the picture and just have that, that face of delight to where it was just a great moment and I was laughing and I was playing and I was having a good time and there was nothing structured about it. There was nothing that I had to plan. There was no environment I had to create. I just enjoyed the moment. Do you ever have moments in your schedule you can do that? Because I bet most of us don't. I bet most of us might say we play a lot and we've got hobbies and we've got activities that we're involved in, but we don't have very many of those moments where we really play, where we're renewed by our play. Second question, what does my play cost me? Here's where it becomes painful. What does my play cost me? Finances. How much am I spending on my play? How much am I investing in my hobbies? How much am I investing in the activities? How much am I investing in the vacations that I'm going on? How much money do I spend in comparison to the rest of my budget with my play? Let me be blunt. I bet in this room, 50% or more of you, probably a lot more, spend more money doing things like going to the movies or going to sporting events or investing in a hobby than you ever drop in an offering box on a Sunday morning here at TBA in order to accomplish God's purposes. Ouch. I'm not going to tell you what you have to give. That's between you and God. But we're talking about being in balance. And when we're investing more in creating entertainment and creating an atmosphere of play, then we're giving back to God and His kingdom and to accomplish His purposes. How can we say that God's our first priority? Seriously. It puts it in perspective, doesn't it? The deer in the headlights look confirms it. It's a struggle for us because we're out of balance. What does it cost us in time? How much time do we spend playing? How much time do we spend planning our playtime? How much time do we spend getting together and investing and, and building it up and getting it ready? And who pays the price for that? See, this is just like rest that we talked about a few weeks ago. It's not just us that's affected. It's our family, it's our friends, it's those closest to us who are affected. How are we investing our time when it comes to our play? Are we investing it with those who are closest to us that we need to be building relationship with? Or are we investing in just me? Because a lot of times that's what our play looks like. And again, don't mishear me because this is all in balance. It's not that there's something wrong in doing something on your own or having your own individual play time. But when that's all we have, we've missed the point. We're out of balance. What's it cost relationally? Who's paying the price? What's it mean for your family, for your spouse, for your kids, for your friends? I love the picture that's painted in Zechariah chapter 8. And this is a, a vision that the Lord is giving to Zechariah, starting in verse 3. He says, And now the Lord says, I'm returning to Mount Zion. I will live in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. The mountain of the Lord of heaven's armies will be called the holy mountain. And this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Once again... Old men and women will walk Jerusalem's streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls at play. It's a picture of creation restored. It's a picture of play as it should be. 
men and women coming together, even old men and women who are walking with canes who can't get out and physically play like we might think of play, but they're enjoying one another. They're building relationships. They're sitting and they're enjoying watching the kids play and the kids playing with reckless abandon, just being there to play. When's the last time you sat and just watched kids play and enjoyed it? Not because you had to, not because you were babysitting, not because you had to make sure your kids didn't kill themselves while they were playing. When's the last time you sat and enjoyed watching kids play? Or are you like me and you find yourself often going, can y'all get out of here? Can you quit making so much noise? You're distracting me. Can you go in the other room and play? Or can you act like this? Can you be a little more structured? Can you be quieter in this moment? How many times do we fall into that? Where we're trying to form them into great little adults. And they've got the heart of play that God has given them, that they're enjoying life. And again, there's balance because there's moments where you do need to teach your kids to be quiet and, and be respectful in a situation. But there's moments where we just need to let them have fun, enjoy life. In fact, I'd say there's moments we need to quit what we're doing and go join them. Play with them. Sherry was telling me a story this past week about her kindergarten class, and they go to recess once a day, which I think they're like one of the few schools that get to still even do that. But it's something that we so desperately need to have that time of recess. And so she takes her kindergartners out, and they're playing, and she gets this great idea about, I want to help them play well together. And so she goes out, and she buys some balls, and she buys some jump ropes, and buys a few other things, and takes them to her class. And when they go out for recess the next day, she gives them all to her kids. And she's like, here, you've got stuff to play with now, so you don't have to worry about playground equipment. We've got our own stuff. And they go out in the courtyard, and they're throwing balls at each other, and they're fighting over jump ropes, and they're fighting over who stole their ball. And then they come running because they fell down because some kid hit them or pushed them, and they skinned their knee. And they went through all that, and it was just chaos. And so she got fed up with it. She went, forget it. I'm taking it all away. And she took all the balls and the jump ropes and all the other stuff she had gotten them. And the next day when they went out to recess, you know what happened? They had a blast. They chased each other around the courtyard. They played tag. They made up games. They were playing with each other. They were interacting with each other. There was no fighting. And they had nothing to play with except each other. But it was the heart of play. And see, I think that's what happens to us as adults. We forget that play is just one of those things that is in our very nature. We forget that it's part of how God created us and we try to create this perfect environment or plan it out or make it perfect in the way we do it. And we screw it all up. We miss the point altogether. It's no longer refreshing. It's no longer something that helps us to recharge. The third question I would ask you this morning is, is my play truly a form of recreation for my spirit? Or am I simply trying to escape the stresses and struggles of life? Hmm. Is my play really healthy for me? Or is it just a coping mechanism that I'm using to get away for a little bit so that I can come back and deal with all the same junk? And this is another one of those questions where you know the answer, but you have to choose to be honest with yourself about it. What is my play doing for me? Is it recreating me, or or am I just escaping Band, you guys go ahead and come up. God is our source of joy. He is the source of play. He's the source of our enjoyment. He gives us all these things to enjoy, 
to be able to play, to be able to experience him differently, to experience him through relationship, to play with others, to build relationship. And yet we miss out on that so often. We get caught up in trying to create an environment of play and make sure that we have our own provisions for play. In other words, we get stuck playing God in our life instead of allowing God to be God. Have you heard that before? We've said that a few times about a bunch of subjects. But it all seems to come back to that, doesn't it? And I think that's the hardest question we've got to ask. Will we put God first and follow his plan for our lives or will we keep trying to be God in our own lives? What are we going to do? Because as long as we keep trying to provide for us, as long as we keep trying to create the perfect environment, we miss the point. And we're out of balance in our lives. But when we surrender to him, when we trust him to provide for our enjoyment, when we trust him in the areas of rest and work and play and then pray that we'll talk about next week, it's amazing how that balance starts to change. And we come to a point of health where God can use us powerfully to do amazing things. How healthy are you? How are you of being Jesus' hands and feet? How are you doing in making God the first priority in your life? If you're honest with you, what does that balance look like? You see, again, this is the hard thing. You're the only person who can do anything about it. And you don't need me to talk to you to explain what you need to do because you can look at your own schedule, you can look at the things that are going on in your life, and you know what needs to change. You just got to choose to do it. That's the hard part. It's obedience. And it's hard for all of us. But it's a choice we've got to make to be healthy so that God can use us well. Stand with me and let's pray. God, we just thank you that you continue to speak to our hearts and you continue to minister to us, God. You, you show us areas of our life where we need to change, areas of our life where we need to change direction, God, and that we need to move beyond just having good intentions and pointing in a good direction, but we've got to actually move in that direction. And so, God, I pray that this morning you would help us to do that. I pray that you would just help us to have the courage to be obedient in the areas that you're challenging us on this morning. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us to be honest before you. God, if we're really being honest, a lot of the things we do, if you were sitting beside us, we probably wouldn't. But we do them a lot different. But it's hard to make those decisions. And so I pray for your strength, that you would walk with us and help us to make the decisions we need to make. God, help us to trust you to lead and guide. We commit this time to you and we commit our hearts to you. In your name we pray.